to make this little podcast episode because it was in my brain and I just wanted to get it over with before I forget it. Because even if I write it down, it's not going to come out the way I want it to. And I wanted to make sure that I get this out. So this is nothing serious. My podcast is supposed to be about mom life, raising, you know, a toddler, raising a special needs toddler. It was just supposed to be about that. And I did do a serious episode once, but that's not what all my podcast episodes are going to be about. Right now, I'm going to post an episode and I'm going to talk about my son's diagnosis and what it means and how, you know, all the fun facts that I can talk about one of his other diagnoses because he has multiple. But the one that I really want to talk about, we'll talk about in a little bit. But I want to start off by talking about how special needs children, I'm not going to talk about adults because I don't have a special needs adult, but special needs children are so strong, honestly. Like, you know, we have some parents out there that I'm not, I never judge a parent or anything. There's nothing bad. But we have parents out there that will say like their kids are so strong and this and that, or they're a fighter, you know, if they go through bullying or something, right? Now, bullying is rough. I will say that. But when your life is put at risk from a medical problem or from, you know, being special needs, maybe your life expectancy is short because of your specific needs, you know, which is hard on a parent, by the way. Um, especially when you have a child that was born with a life that was given to him, him or her, and um, you never know when their last day is going to be. It's so, that is really hard. Of course, we all we all have a last day. We just don't know when it is. But when you have a special needs child, it really affects you more because you really don't know. You watched your child in the hospital, and you bring them home, and you're like, all right, how long do I get to have you for? Because I really love you. And you don't know when your heart is going to be taken away. I don't want to talk about the sad things because, yeah, they're sad. Um, but I do want to talk about them being so strong. Um, I always say that NICU babies, preemies, PICU babies, or children, are so strong. Because special needs kids, toddlers, infants, babies, go through a lot and still have a smile on their face. And I've always wondered, why? Is it because they were graced by, the, by, by God himself? You know, like, is it because, like, they have this angel on their shoulder? Someone watching them? What is it that keeps them smiling? And even if they have a life-threatening disease. But as adults, we... We break our ankle and it's like the end of the world. You can't die from a broken ankle unless you're losing a lot of blood. But that's not something that's possible. You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that's like, oh my God, if I break my ankle, I'm going to die. That's not something. But if I'm born with, you know, a tumor, then yeah, I don't know. That tumor might not be able to be removed. So I could die. Or that tumor could be with me for the rest of my life and it could take me away at some point and I never know those are just examples again I don't want to talk about sad things I'm just saying like how strong they are you know like how strong special needs kids are specifically kids because 
it's so funny the difference between adults and kids and I got a good story for you guys to give you an example so you can visualize what I mean when I say that um, special needs kids are so strong and adults we are not we might think we are you know we feel like especially moms we feel like superwoman we feel like we're super mom we can do everything and, and above we birthed a kid so we must be able to do anything right but at the same time we still have a lot of fears and everything on our back you know we still break down we still cry we still you know have a lot of fears but the kids that are in front of us are be like they're fearless they're like they're the real superheroes and I guess that's why they call it tiny superheroes because honestly they really are the superheroes for example <laughs> ever since my son was born I've always, you know, I've always been a klutz, right? I wasn't clumsy. But when it came to my son, if I was to trip and he was in his little carrier and I, you know, tripped or whatever, that boy never hit the ground, okay? I may have hit the ground, but he did not. <laughs> I say, I, no matter what, if I was about to fall on my face, he was not going to touch the ground. I never dropped my son ever now that's not to say that people that drop their kids or newborns or whatever are bad moms I'm not saying that but I'm saying that that maternal instinct people always ask me about the maternal instincts that maternal instinct is in you it's strong because I could fall down the stairs and my son will still be at the top of the stairs because that's just the type of instinct you have in your body so not even that long ago I you know it's gonna be a funny story um of course I'm the type of person that when I walk in with things well when I walk anywhere or go anywhere I have a lot of things in my hand everybody that knows me they know that's the type of person I am I always have a lot of things in my hand um well as my son was a new walker it was very hard to get him in the house because one at the time he was very 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 heavy um, and to carry him plus his diaper bags and whatever else that he needed to carry because he wouldn't carry himself at the time, right? He was a new walker, so I would help, you know, of course, I had to make him walk because um, it was more of a therapy for him. So it wasn't that I just didn't want to carry him. I love carrying him. I love keeping him close to my heart. And actually, he does this thing now where he taps me. Like, he literally taps me. Just, and I think that's like his way of saying I love you. Um, because I never see him do it to anyone else. And not that he's saying that he doesn't love anybody else, but it's more of like, um, like a, one of those things that you see here, like it's a mother-son type of thing or a mother-daughter thing, you know, one of those type of things. Like it's a bond between the mother and the child. Like I said, I've never seen him do it to anybody else. And it's a new thing, but he only does it if I pick him up. Like he taps me. It's like a little pat, like pat, pat. (laughs) Like he's just like patting me. And um, it's so cute. But at this time, you know, it was more of like, we're trying to get him to walk. <laughs> like, he was already walking, whatever, at this, at this time. He was starting to walk a little bit better. Um, not as good as he walked now. It was still really bad. But he was starting to get used to walking. And as a therapy, we had to, or I had to, make him walk and try to get to walk long distances. 
because for him he gets tired when he has to walk long distance he still does um but this is the story because I'm starting to get longer now um I was walking into the house (laughs) after I believe therapy um most likely therapy because that's usually what our schedule looks like if it's me and he's in the car it's usually therapy um I mean we were going in the house and at the time I was trying to make him walk and had all of his stuff in my hands and I promise you it was a lot it was a lot of stuff I had his diaper bag I had probably his book bag which is not a big book bag but I mean I probably should have put it on his body I probably had a sweater in my hand because probably one of those like warm days it was just a rough time um well your clumsy girl here um somehow when I stepped down it's almost like my ankle snapped and um my ankle snapped and and um I sprained my ankle but with him in my hand he never touched the ground I fell and I held him like when I knew I was, when I felt myself falling I, I kind of picked him up and put him on my body so that way I would fall on my back and not on my stomach and that way he would be safe so if I did fall I wouldn't like kind of twist his arm or anything like that which it was an automatic instinct but now thinking of it anytime I think of it I'm like wow I literally grabbed him hugged him and fell and then when I was already on the floor I kind of let go of him so he can kind of crawl away or whatever but he never touched the ground isn't that funny so he never got hurt but I sprained my whole ankle just to save him because that's what a mother does but of course me being an adult crying in pain but if he was to fall flat on his face he wouldn't cry or it wouldn't be something that bothers him because he already goes through so much that it's probably like already instilled in his brain like y'all I got enough to deal with if I fall on my face it really does not matter to me and um that was just a quick little story but anyways I want to talk about his diagnosis real quick and kind of explain to you what it is and then I'll tell you like the fun facts of the main diagnosis that I would like to talk about because I have a specific one in mind that I would like to talk about um but I would like to talk about first the diagnosis he was the he was diagnosed with HIE at birth right which is basically brain damage and I always tell people that because it's easier to explain because once people hear brain damage they're like oh okay gotcha but that's not really what it was there's a little bit more to that let me say it out for you so you can take the time to look it up H-I-E hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy just by typing that out you'll be able to find it type out what is it learn about it there's actually a whole page called hope for hie and you can learn so much about it because the founder is someone who had children with hie and she's actually a big help when learning about hie like all the things that she talks about because hie is not exactly the same for everybody But it pretty much is at the same time. But there's different levels of it. 
so you have really 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 mild like it was barely there to very severe where it's like it's even visible on your face so with a lot of people that are diagnosed with brain damage you can't see it on their face unless it's severe with my son it is more of a mild to severe type of thing more mild than severe mainly because when he was born it was a lot more worse than it is um well is now but funny enough me being with him 24 7 for two years i don't see it on his face but a simple doctor can see it on his face just by the way he smiled or the way one of his eyes looks funny enough right but i couldn't see it i'm just like this is a cute little baby <laughs> you know he's very handsome to me um but fun fact about that even though you cannot see it it very much affects those that are diagnosed with it every day of their life for people that know my son and see you know see him growing and everything may look at it like oh my god like it doesn't even affect them but really it does very much so but one of his other diagnoses is taking over much more right now so it's kind of taking control of his body while that main diagnosis that holds up everything it's almost like the glue for all of the things that's going on with him it's um kind of in the background right now like it's there I know it's there we all know it's there but right now it's got some other things that are going on that kind of take priority and not take priority as in like we don't we don't care about the other diagnosis is that right now this is the one that's most affecting him um but HIE does really affect him every day in his daily living and it's not because um we don't let him do something or whatever or some people perceive me as like a very strict mom and it's not the case I promise you <laughs> I promise you it's not um I am strict because I do want him to have boundaries but I'm not you know a dictator you know I'm not like trying to be so strict with him that he just doesn't love me or so strict with him that he's like oh my god I hate my life I'm strict because I want to be able to set rules and boundaries so when he grows up he knows the difference when he leaves my house so when he leaves my house he knows that yeah not everybody in the world is gonna look at me the same way my mom does or yeah in reality it might be okay to do this at home but it might not be okay to do it anywhere else or yeah I can get away with this at home but I might not be able to get away with this at somewhere else you know I want to be able to set those rules and regulations in the house while he's young and set up his whole life you know because as everybody knows we're not promised tomorrow so I might not be here tomorrow for him to be able to understand the difference between life and death you know or life and life at home and life outside anyways so um yeah some people see me as a strict mom I do let him do a lot I actually would love for him to be able to do a lot I encourage him to do things that are not promised to him there's a whole long list of things that I was told that he would not be able to do that I have encouraged him to do and he's able to do for example 
I was told he would never be able to see. He sees very well. At least to my, my you know, I think he sees well. Um, he would not be able to hear. Or he might not seem like he hears. To me, I think he hears very well. But I also think that he has that teenager outlook on life where he sometimes ignores us. And it has nothing to do with autism or anything like that. I think that sometimes he purposefully ignores us because he doesn't want to be bothered. Um, because he does definitely have a big attitude. Um, I was told he would never be able to eat normally. I promise you, um, before the last couple weeks, he was eating pretty well. You know, I was trying to get him to work on chewing better and choking less. So I would say I've succeeded at that. Point is that there's a lot of things that are told he'll never be able to do but truth be told God has the last answer so um if God says he'll walk today he's gonna walk period um moving on the next diagnosis that he had at birth was neonatal stroke another thing that affects their brain funny enough he has two things that affected his brain so normally a stroke affects one side of the brain but if you have brain damage already aside from the stroke that means both parts of your brain are affected right that's how I take it so then his whole brain was affected hmm I'm gonna look into that but his stroke actually affects the right side. We were able to figure out that over time as he started to do more with his body and as he started to be able to move around and stuff like that. You know, once he was able to start moving, like we were able to see, oh my God, he actually has life in his body. His right side was greatly affected. It still is. He, um, when he walks, nobody notices this. You have to pay really close attention to him, but he is quick, so I will give them benefit of doubt. But when he walks, his right leg actually kind of is really weak. So it kind of makes him look like he's like it's giving out. But it's just make it makes him look like he's getting shorter. That's how it looks. So his left leg locks and his right leg kind of blah, you know? <laughs> I can't explain it when it's not a video. But um and his his yeah, that whole leg is really weak. Um on top of that he's been learning how to dress himself I've been trying to teach him that um and for some reason he just got it right but the right side of you know his right arm he cannot he he struggles to get it into his shirt so I have to help him with that um using his right hand to pick up like a spoon a fork food period or a crayon um yeah, it's really hard on that side. So he usually mainly mainly eats with his left. Um, he mainly uses his left side. But I do notice that he writes with his right hand, even if it's weak. Um, like he loves to color. It's one of his favorite things to do. And um, he always uses his right hand. Um, yeah, so moving on. Um... The next diagnosis he was diagnosed as of recent is um, 
It's called spastic triplegic cerebral palsy. Um, that we can tell has affected him, but it also is re- in relation of the HIE, so it was kind of like an obvious. Um, but his doctor was able to see it in his face. That was the point that I was trying to make earlier. You cannot visually see brain damage. Some disabilities you cannot visually see. So, of course, there's that ignorance of people sometimes. Where they go, oh my god, I couldn't even tell that he was special needs. I've gotten that a lot, by the way. Yeah, not everybody that is special needs is visual. Like, you can't see it on their face or body. Not like his brain is on the outside going oh by the way we don't work <laughs> but his brain does work I will give you that his brain does work it doesn't process in um, the same way as a normal normal toddler his age which is fine by the way I want to make it out there that it is fine to have a child that is delayed that is perfectly fine that is almost like a normal thing in this world. Like there are some kids that are delayed. Um, but that's different. Like a little bit delayed is different than being a lot delayed. Where he is delayed in every aspect developmentally. Again, this is not a sappy thing. I don't want people to be like, oh my god, I feel bad. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Hate that. I don't want people to feel bad. I love my son. He's like the greatest thing in the world to me. Honestly. And I love watching his progress. I love watching him grow. I love watching him learn new things. It actually excites me when he does something new that I did not even see coming. Um, but yeah, so moving on. <laughs> um, the final diagnosis as of recent is autism. Which I actually expected to be diagnosed. I actually expected him to be diagnosed with that. Because what I was learning is that when you have HIE, you are automatically diagnosed with, with autism. Like, it's an automatic thing. Um, the founder was talking about how a lot of people didn't notice, but HIE, because of the brain damage, is um, an automatic for behavioral issues already. Um, but it's known that children with HIE end up with autism like it's not like a oh my god that's a rare or this might be a little percentage just letting you know it was expected I also kind of expected it because every time I went to a NICU appointment for him they always said oh you know he's on the autism spectrum right we're watching him to see where he lands on that spectrum and I'm like no one would be watching if they didn't know what was going to happen so when he got diagnosed I was like mm. I kind of already knew. I acted like I didn't know, but I knew. Um, I will say that is one of the biggest things that are, is affecting him right now. But I want to go into my fun fact of, of like the day. <laughs> it's not really fun fact of the day, but to me it is. Um, but fun fact for autism before I go on. That not every kid with autism is exactly the same. They don't have exactly the same sensory issues. They don't have the exact the same triggers. And they don't have the exact same reasons for meltdown. They also don't eat the same. They also don't think the same. They also don't process the same. Not every kid. It's just like a typical general ed student. 
they're not every kid is going to be the same they're not all going to learn the same well it's the same thing with autism not every kid is going to be the same so just by reading the statistics and the stereotypes and not and you know the symptoms of course you're gonna think well I wouldn't have thought your son would be autism because you know autistic because like he didn't have these couple signs actually his doctor said he fit every single criteria for autism according to her but I'm gonna go back and say that not every kid diagnosed with autism is the same another fun fact kids with autism are really intelligent um separate from that kids with Asperger's are also very intelligent those two are one of the most intelligent learning disorders in the world mainly because both are able to process math very easily so funny enough I can't process math I can't do math I can't even do anything with numbers but knowing that my son is autism I know that he won't have as much difficulty with math when it comes to that time. The boy does not talk, but he can count. Is that funny enough for you? Have a good laugh and think about that because he does not talk. You know, he says some words here and there, but to you it would not be worse because to you it's going to sound like jumble. But to me, I know I know what he's saying because I live with him. And it's so funny because typically he does not talk but somehow he knows how to count he can sit there and go one two three now it doesn't come out like you don't you don't it doesn't sound like numbers to you but if you were to listen closely and pay very close attention to him you would know that he's counting he actually makes it very easy for you to understand him um it took me a while to understand him as a person because I didn't know how his brain worked. I was waiting, waiting, waiting for them to diagnose with autism because I knew, I, I always knew because they were preparing me for it since he was born. And of course, me learning about HIE, it helped a lot too. Um, but I was just kind of waiting for them to be able to diagnose him so I would have a better understanding of his brain. And now with his diagnosis, I really have a better understanding of like how, the way he processes things. And it helps me because now I understand why his behavior is the way it is. Why sometimes he does things that he does. It does really help me. Getting off a tangent. Um, fun fact number three. Kids with autism do not adapt to changes very well. And I can prove that. I brought the high chair upstairs because I said, well, we're going to, you know, let's spend some time in the room together. Let's all do family time, right? Not warning him. Usually I'm good at warning him. Um, overwhelmed, of course, in the last couple months with the quarantine and some things that have been going on. Um, it slipped my mind that I needed to warn my son before I do anything. So I didn't warn him that we were moving the high chair upstairs so we could spend more time together. And he just kind of stopped eating. And I knew it was because of the autism because I knew that it happens often. Not, like I said, not every kid with autism is the same. So maybe your kid with autism eats very well, but is just picky. 
my kid happens to be a person that really does not like to eat. Funny enough. Like, no matter how... No matter how hard we try to get him to eat, it's like we try so many different things. And it's like we're all working hard to get him to eat because we don't want him to starve, right? And one thing we learned is that you just kind of have to keep trying. Just offer as much as you can. Because, I mean... Maybe he'll choose one of those offers, right? Well, he never does. (laughs) But I'm always, myself, my mother, my grandmother, we all work hard, very hard to get him to eat. So he just happens to be one of those kids with autism that don't like to eat at the current moment. It's not that he's picky. It's literally that he just does not want to eat. And I'm thinking maybe he will start to adjust better once I can get a better routine in mind because let me tell you people don't know this I've done so many schedules with them I've had to switch so many times because some I have to just keep changing the schedule until I can find a really good set balanced routine with him it really can it's not that he's a troublemaker or he's just really you know hard to deal with it's more so that sometimes it's hard to get him on a really good routine um more like so no matter how many times we make a really good routine that sounds really good and it's usually me like I usually try to make a really good routine for him you know um, just so he can be used to it. And it starts off really well, and he throws his own self off because maybe he missed a nap, or maybe he, you know, just didn't feel like doing school today. You know, maybe he didn't want to practice his signs, maybe he didn't want to do therapy, 
whatever it was, it threw off his routine, which then throws off the routine for the next day and the next day and the next day, and his routine is just messed up. I recently made up a new routine to be started for Monday because I just, I mean, I already had restarted his nap time routine because it was just getting a little out of hand, but I restarted his routine um, just to try to get a really good one. I feel like I have come up with a really good one just to keep him consistent, um, which is probably going to get harder as we get older, but I kind of talked to everybody in the household to say like, hey, this is going to be the routine. We're going to have to set it in stone. This is what we're going to do every single day the same way, no matter what we're doing that day. He's going to have to do it every single day the same way. And the reason being is not only with kids with autism, but kids with HIE are very inconsistent. And they need that consistency. With any kid, they need consistency. But specifically for kids with HIE and autism, they really need consistency. So, and if they don't, it kind of makes their whole entire processing and brain and everything it just makes them feel worse and I think they get really overwhelmed because what I've noticed with him over time I observe him a lot because I I, I try to figure out what to do to make things easier and I'm always researching always trying to figure out what I can do to make his life easier of course, I've always knew that a visual schedule would come in handy, but I can't make a visual schedule if his schedule is never consistent. So I've come up with a schedule that works both for a regular day and therapy. Because whenever therapy we start, like actual going to therapy, not just Zoom, whenever we start, it's going to be one of those days that it's just he just has to adapt the fact that yeah today we're going to therapy and what I've learned is that if you tell them the morning of which I used to do anyways I used to be like hey today we're going to be doing this but I don't think he ever understood at the time but now he's older and I think he understands hey today we're going to go do this he forgets within two seconds but I think once I say it over and over and up that day that once we're getting in the car or whatever we're going to go do whatever I told him we're going to do it's almost like, oh, okay, I know we're going to do this. It's like a trial and error type of thing with him. You start off with this, and if it doesn't work, we do a new thing. And that's kind of how it's always been. So, for example, I'm going to go back to sleep. Sleep is one of the biggest things that's always been for him. Now, he's never been a bad sleeper until he turned one. When he turned one... It was like, sleep was not an option. He just never slept. He never took his naps. He never went to sleep at night. And man, it was rough for me. And then it made it hard for me to be able to cope with him the next day. To figure out how I can assist him and help him. I was still, you know, do my normal duties. Which is feed him, bathe him, brush his teeth. All the good stuff, right? But when you're running on no sleep... It's, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, I maintained the regular stuff, but when it came to all the other stuff, playtime, their uh, home therapy, which is me doing therapy with him, homeschool, which is me doing school with him, any of that did not go well when it came to like no sleeping for me. You know, I used to be able to be able to go 
all hours of the night without sleep and then be able to still move on and go through stuff the next day. But I'm not 15, 16, 14, 13, whatever. Not that age anymore. My body is completely different and I cannot stay up late anymore. Um, and especially when I have a toddler screaming in my ear all night long or jumping on my body and piercing my skin and whatever it is. Then, you know, I started to get him where he was starting to go to sleep at night, whatever. And then it was only because he wasn't taking a nap. And I said, well, he needs a nap because then he's cranky all day. And I really would rather not have him cranky. If he misses a nap, the whole day is ruined. There's no fun. Like, no, he cannot watch TV because TV is just going to make him mad because it might not be the show that he's looking for. No, he can't play with his tablet because the tablet might die on him and it's going to make him mad and everything's just going to make him mad. Everything's going to make him mad. You touch him, you look at him the wrong way, it's, it's going to be mad. Well, if you do any of that in general, it's going to make him mad. Um, that's going to be safe for another podcast episode later. But anyways, um, to finish off this episode, I just wanted to finish off talking about sleep. As of recent, in the last, I want to say, <sighs> 10 months... <laughs> Maybe eight months, maybe less, whatever. His sleep has been in and out. I started as of the last three weeks, which is getting him on a new routine, new nap time schedule, which I'm going with along the sides of a normal nap time schedule that would happen if he was at school. Now, he's not at school, but for a toddler, Typically, their nap, their nap time should be 12-ish to 2.30. Mainly because it's more of a midday, early afternoon type of thing. And it works out because then they still have all that extra time to play or to do this or to read, to watch TV, to do, to eat. You know, they still have all that extra time before bedtime. Um, and I think it is the greatest nap time because then... They still go to sleep on time. Especially if you have kids that are really bad sleepers, they still go to sleep on time. And man, my son, it, it takes a lot to get him to sleep. And then, I mean, I'm not just talking about like, oh, you need a nap time, you need this. No, when it's actually bedtime, you need. Some days you might need a bath, um, lavender lotion, as long as it's a vino. Um, I also use like a natural baby. Um, essential oil that goes on his feet and neck which helps him a lot um, and of recent I've also been using essential oils like a natural essential oil in my um, diffuser and of course the final thing that really helps him get to sleep is his music if he does not have his music and he's supposed to be going to sleep it's not gonna work None of that's going to work. No lavender lotion, no bath time, no milk, nothing. No, nothing's going to work. So, I'm really tired and I'm starting to lose my voice at this point. Like, I'm not able to talk anymore. Um, and I, my mouth's starting to get dry. So, I just want to finish off by saying that there is another episode that's going to be coming out where I'm going to get more into detail of um, him as a person. Him as a toddler, I guess you want to say. Maybe our day in, day, in life, day in life on a typical day. On a day where there's no meltdowns. 
you better do a little bit both. I will plan it out. I'm already in the process of planning it. So there will be a more in-detailed episode about all this. But I just had that thought of telling you um, kind of what his diagnoses are. And um, some fun facts about them, of course. And um, yeah. I felt like this was really long. So, and my mouth is really dry. And my throat's really dry. So I'm going to go ahead and end this. So I love y'all. I'll see you on my next episode. Be on the lookout for it to be airing on Tuesday. Most likely in the afternoon. Most likely during that time. But I'll see you guys. Bye. Love you.